sport administrators, sport fans and participants themselves. Sarah and Ash sit down with a bunch of inspiring female leaders from within the sports industry who share their journey of achieving their aspirations. Welcome back to the next episode of the Sports Intuition Podcast. Now, I'm a little bit jealous of today's episode as unfortunately I couldn't join Sarah to chat with today's guest. Sarah caught up with Julia Cook, the National Community Engagement Manager at the Australian Olympic Committee. No doubt a crazy time for Julia as we lead up to the Tokyo Games and a build-up like we've never seen before. In the lead-up to the Tokyo 2021 Olympic Games, we are delighted to welcome Julia Cook from the Australian Olympic Committee to the podcast today. Julia started at the Australian Olympic Committee almost 10 years ago as the Administration Assistant. Through her time at the AOC, she's been promoted to National Events and Fundraising Coordinator, Event Manager and now the National Community Engagement Manager. Julia has been instrumental in developing programs across the country that utilise Olympic athletes to inspire students to follow their passions. In addition to this, Julia has also been a key member of the AOC HQ teams at the Rio 2016 Olympics, the 2018 Winter Olympics, the 2014 Youth Olympics and the 2013 Australian Youth Olympic Festival, as well as the London 2012 Olympic Games. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the podcast, Julia. Thanks for having me. It'll be fun. Yeah, it's a pleasure <laughs> to have you. So we always like to start off our interviews with the, the same question, which kind of inspires a lot of this podcast. But what's your earliest memory of sport? So I was a child who slept in their uniform the night before a, a sport because I was so excited. I had an older brother and sister and absolutely idolised everything that they did and copied everything that they, that they did. Um, they were really sporty and they'd go off to sport um, and I wasn't yet old enough. So I'd set up my own athletics carnivals or softball competitions in the back garden and make my neighbours or my parents or anyone around join me. So when I was finally old enough to play my own sport, I was very excited. And I just love the the team and social aspect of it. And I guess I was hooked from a young age. Yeah, that's awesome. And so it sounds like you were a bit of an event manager before you even knew you were an event manager. Uh, yeah, potentially. Yeah, exactly. And do you think that carried through to eventually you getting involved in working in sport? Has it always been something that you wanted to do? Yeah, so I think you only need to look at my uh, year three report to see I was, I had a, I was heading towards a career in sport. I literally got C's in everything, maths, <laughs> geography, history, science, and my only A was in PE. So I think, yeah, that from a young age, my trajectory was certainly clear. And I guess sport has already always played a significant May it be a competitive youngster running overseas, being a coach. I think it came very naturally to me and it was something I was quite passionate about. And when I finished university, I wanted to combine my business degree with my passion. And and to be honest, at the time, I, people would sort of look at me or when I tell them that, that almost like I was a bit crazy. Then it was sort of like you just it was about getting a job. But I guess, yeah, I was I was very determined to be working. I mean, yeah, in the sporting industry and um, I had a pivotal moment outside a gym class one day and I sat down and wrote on a napkin 10 things that I needed to do to help navigate my career in sport. I had no experience at the time and I had no idea how to break into the world of sport and so from this moment I set about trying to tick off these items and it saw me 
call around the country, approaching different organisations and getting some really valuable experience, setting up events, writing for newspapers, creating websites, interviewing, liaising with sponsors, managing volunteers. It was super varied uh, and gave me some really a broad range of opportunities available. But importantly, the confidence that I knew that when a role like the one that the AOC came up, that, that I could do it. Yeah, that's incredible. How old were you when you wrote that list? About 20. Yeah. Just it's really uni good. and yeah. was trying to, yeah, navigate my navigate myself, uh, yeah. After uni. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that happens to a lot of us. You know, we go to uni, we do sports management or business or PE at uni, and then we find, you know, we learn a lot and it's great, but a lot about breaking into the sports network. So those things that you would have worked on would have really led to you in, in creating your role. Exactly. And I think it, it. I met so many people and was just thrown into the deep end, really. And I had to figure it out. And it wasn't always easy. It was really hard, but it was also, I just was exposed to so many things I wouldn't have traditionally been to through uni. So I look back on that time very fondly even though maybe at the time I thought it was a little bit hard to navigate. Yeah. And it's never as glamorous as what you think it's going to be. Like you think in your head, okay, I'm going to finish uni. It's going to be great. I'm going to work for a big sport and it's going to be perfect from then. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of hard work that needs to go into that before you get there. Yeah, exactly. And also just sort of finding what suited me and, and what I kind of liked, which again, that year of doing those sort of things was really key. Yeah. And so speaking of your first role, what did that entail? My first role at the AOC was literally answering the phones. I was the administration assistant and that was quite literally my job. But at the time, I took the opportunity to really learn and absorb as much as I could in this role. And each day, and I think back now, I was a bit annoying. I'd go and sit at different people's desks and just listen to what they were doing, offer support. um, And I had some really amazing women in roles around me who so generously took the time to explain what they were doing and find opportunities for me to get involved in other areas of the business. And I started through that to be able to contribute to some really meaningful projects. And I guess I progressed into other roles and into roles on our Olympic Games teams. And I don't think I appreciated it at the time, but learning the organisation from the bottom up has set such a strong foundation for what I do now. Yeah, that's great. And it shows, um, obviously, you're a bit of a go-getter at the time. And really, once you have your foot in the door, then the opportunities are endless. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you've packed a lot into your career so far. So you've moved on from the admin assistant that you were many years ago. What Mm. do you think has been your biggest challenge in your career within sport? Mm. (laughs) Really, I think, my own self-belief. In each of my roles, there was an opportunity to address a new strategic priority and create something new. And there weren't people in the positions before me. So I was picking up, so I wasn't picking up what people had already done and running with it. We were literally creating new things from scratch. And with that, there's many times I experienced a lot of self-doubt and uncertainty about what I was doing. One thing that sort of stands out as well when a few years ago, and I still sort of positioned myself or thought to myself that I was quite junior. I was given this yellow jersey award as part of some internal sort of stuff. 
acknowledgement awards and it was symbolic of the uh, Tour de France leader jersey. Yeah, um, great. And CEO at the time said that I was sort of getting this because you can be a leader no matter where you are in the organisation and you don't need a scene or wherever you fall on the organisation chart, you don't need a title to be a leader. And I never thought of myself like that when I was sort of a bit younger and a bit more junior in different roles. So that was really important. And I think I, I was, I ne- again, I never sort of saw myself like that. And I was constantly riddled with self-doubt. So I've had to consciously work really hard and on my confidence and backing my approach to delivering and continuing sorry, to, to, to deliver successful programs. I guess as well, I think your doubts are only your thoughts and they're not your future. And of course, things go wrong, but I'd never have tried. I was losing an opportunity that I wasn't willing to take that risk. Yeah, that's that's great. What Do you have any, I guess, strategies in place or, you know, sense checks that you use when you are finding yourself doubting yourself in certain situations? Yeah, so I used to find I'd sit in a meeting room or something and think, oh gosh, everyone's so much smarter than me, or they're using these big words that I I don't understand. And I will, I, I need to just back my preparation. I would always be very prepared and try and understand a, a project or a task or an opportunity that we were looking into really holistically and just backing what I was saying and and backing my own knowledge um, and just not getting intimidated by some of those conversations or people that have maybe been around for longer and that sort of thing. And everyone plays their part, um, but just not letting that get to me personally. So that's been really key and something that yeah, I've been proactively making sure I yeah. check on. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Now, speaking of challenges, so Tokyo 2020 obviously mm-hmm. turned into 2021, although they still call it the 2020 Olympics, yes. I think. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. So what was it like inside the AOC mm-hmm. when you were told, well, I guess when you were probably in that grey period of not knowing whether they were going ahead or what was happening and then you, you were told they were going to be postponed by a year? I know. Gosh, wow. I, I will never forget this moment when the, the postponement was announced. I guess for the first time in history, the Olympic Games were postponed and no one ever anticipated that. This has never happened before. So we were all really in, in uncharted waters. And as the news broke, I guess I certainly felt, and I know it was across the whole organisation, you know, a deep sense of empathy for the athletes and coaches, the administration staff, for what, you know, they were dealing with. But importantly, the games were not cancelled. They were Mm -hmm. just going on a year later. So I guess our thinking internally went to how we can best support the team in their preparation to be able to perform at this year's Olympic Games. And everyone really played their part. I think we had really strong leadership from our CEO and the chef to mission of the Olympic team, Matt Carroll and Ian Chesterman. And with the ongoing restrictions and the regulations, we really had to reconfigure the team, reconfigure our operations, reprioritize planning and initiate projects to support athletes and coordinate support for the Australian community. In my role personally, we were able to quickly adapt our school programs to online and continue to have athletes speaking to students and community groups across the country. And it was amazing now connecting in ways that we'd not seen before because everyone was going through the same thing. So in a really strange way, in the absence of the games that everyone had been striving for, the Olympic spirit really hadn't sort of shone more brightly. Yeah, great. I mean, something, like you said, had never happened before. Mm -hmm. And 
I mean, we're 60 odd days out now and we're recording mm-hmm. this, so it's not long yep. to go. How's the feeling in the office now? Because there's still this bit of uncertainty globally about people's health. And I know that the athletes have yep. been told they'll get the vaccine. So, you mm-hmm. know, that provides them a little bit of comfort, but there's it's still going to be an Olympics like no other. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think we're prepared now for a, a different game, but everyone's still really committed to it going ahead. Absolutely. The health safety and well-being of athletes and officials, coaches and their families is priority. But at the moment, everyone's, you know, 65 days out, that Olympic flame will be lit. Uh, and I think it will be a really amazing sense of, you know, bringing people together and celebration and hope in what has been a really rough time for so many people. Yeah, it'll be quite symbolic. I'm really, yeah, really looking exactly. forward to it. Exactly, yeah. Um, so you've worked in a couple of roles within the AOC, oh, sorry, a couple of different areas, I should say. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time when we work in sport, we run the risk of kind of, I guess, putting yourself in a corner that I've only ever worked in events, so I'm going to work in events, mm-hmm. or I've only ever worked in community participation, so um, that's kind of where I'm going to be for the, mm-hmm. the rest of my career. And you've been lucky enough to kind of work across multiple areas of the sport. How have you utilised skills you've used, I guess, in your event management role mm-hmm. and your current community role now? So I guess being adaptable is always really important, but you only sort of need to look at what we're doing with our Olympic live sites during the games time to understand the importance of running an event and bringing communities together. Um, So we're super excited about bringing communities together in Australia when the games are on in Tokyo. The games are a perfect time zone for Australia. So for the first time since Sydney 2000, we'll be running a national live site program with different sites around the country with no one able to travel over there and support the team. These sites will provide a really cool place for families and fans and groups to come together and support and cheer the team. So that is a really, I guess, in terms of that's an event and bringing the communities. So it's a really great connection there between the two of them. Um, In a sense of skills, I think it's, as I say, being adaptable, being flexible. You just need to be able to work with people um, and, and listen and learn. I think that's what I'm constantly doing (laughs) here at the AOC. Yeah, awesome. And I mean, the Olympics, especially for Australia, because traditionally in the Summer Olympics, we do quite well, and especially for our population. I find that it brings the country together. Probably, you know, it's the one thing that does every four years. Um, We're all kind Mm -hmm. of... And regardless of what time zone it is, we depend, we're up watching yeah. the Aussies go for it. But what do you find the most rewarding part of working in sport? I think exactly sort of what you've sort of touched on now. I think there's so much genuine like heart and soul in sport. I guess from the first time you kick a football or the dedication that people have, you know, travelling to training before or after work and Saturday morning spent volunteering or, as you say, cheering on your team and on the TV at all hours. I think sport is so much about community. In my interview uh, at the AOC, gosh, it's crazy to think 10 years ago, um, I was actually asked what I love about administration. And my response was if I couldn't go to the Olympics myself, I wanted to help support those that were going. And so I guess to be in a position now to where our programs might have a positive impact on on one child, to dream big and perhaps one day end up representing the country or or it or quite simply 
getting active, that's a really amazing feeling. Yeah, great. I think a lot of us that work in sport wish we had the talent of some of the people that might be heading yeah. over to Tokyo. And this is the one way in which we can still feel really part of the team yeah, and exactly. part of a team. Yeah, exactly. And we spoke a little bit around how you continue to work on your um you know, areas and skills that you need to improve. And how do you, as a, a leader and someone who's busily working for the AOC, continue to learn? Like, I think learning and growing is really important. And sport is an ever-changing, you know, industry and it's dynamic. And to be honest, I really, really love that. I think I feel genuinely so passionate about my role and what I do. And I want to continually evolve and make what I'm doing better. So I guess I try to keep on top of trends and attitudes and, and sentiments, which is really important. I have done some further study as well. I did um, my executive master's a few years ago, but I also read and importantly, I think I talk a lot. That's to my friends, to my colleagues, to my family, to you know my friends at the local sport club. And that is so important. You learn so much from different yeah. people. So I think that's a really important part. Yeah, great. I'm sure there were really key learnings last year going through mm. COVID there were for in my workplace. And yeah. is there anything I think that you might have learned or anything you've tried? So obviously the way in which athletes are connecting with the local community mm-hmm. and school kids that you think will stay with the organisation? Yeah, it's it's crazy that, you know, last year was through a real spanner in the works, but it it ultimately enabled us to adapt our programs so that we can continue to run them online and we've got, you know, great frameworks set up to be able to do that. So it's, you know, that's something that we can offer and will continue to offer. We had to had a crash course in TV production and did a lot of like live TV shows, which went really, really well and showcased the sort of the power of our school network and our community in being engaged in that sort of thing. And again, those sort of things will be carried on into the into the future. So Yes, there was some challenging times. It was really great for us to be able to continually evolve our programs in a way that we probably wouldn't have needed to previously. And it's been enabled us to connect with people, you know, remote, regional, all over the country, which yeah, again, it's it's going to continue. And yeah. one thing that I guess is hard for people outside of sport who you know a lot of people especially in sports that might hold a major event once a year or in your case the events are once every what four years for the summer and then um, winter olympics so yeah. once every two years yeah what does it look like in a non-olympic year because i know a lot of my friends when they ask me mm-hmm. about my work it's like well what do you actually do once the event's over or it's not running can you give us like an insight into working for the aoc when it's not an olympic year yes it's funny you're not the only one or haven't had to have that question <laughs> um we do get <laughs> we do get that a lot I mean, this year it's we've got the Olympics, the Summer Games in Tokyo, and then within six months we have the Winter Olympics. So um, it's pretty jam packed here. But you know, in a normal and in in a normal time, we do also youth games um, and some other minor games, which is a great opportunity for Aussies to get some amazing experience in sort of what I do is, I guess, we're really sort of proud of our athletes and the impact that they can create. So developed a number of community engagement programs for athletes to be involved in. 
and they go on all year round throughout the games. And I guess it's a, a great opportunity for us to reset and come up with our strategies for the, the new games period. As I said earlier, sport is ever-changing and is so mm. dynamic. So, you know, we have to reassess how our games operations will be, you know, our media team. There is a lot going on. So, yeah, I think people probably see there's like these peaks and troughs, but it's very much actually feel like it's consistently a peak here yeah. um, with yeah, all the activities going on and it's really cool. And speaking of, I mean, traditionally Australia is better performing at the Summer Olympics. Is there any difference between the summer and winter programs from an admin point of view or is it very much, I mean, you don't have to answer this either if you don't know, but, or is it, you know, really kind of similar across the two? There is differences with team size and the sort of travelling team and I guess the nature of the sport and those sort of things There's difference. But in terms of a support offering and how everything that we do for a summer games, we do for a winter games, I guess the scale is just slightly different but yeah every games has its own sort of challenges and nuances and I guess yeah we just have to adapt to whichever games that we're working towards. You know we always find the athletes always very inspiring and obviously a lot of what you do in your work is inspiring young children and getting our athletes to do that. Who do you look to for inspiration for yourself? I, I think the more is who I who don't I look to for inspiration. Every through my colleagues here at the AOC, we have such an amazing team of people that work here and I, I find each in different ways really inspiring. My friends, my family, I, it's a really challenging one because I think every day I'm seeking inspiration from different people. My little nine-year-old niece who's just like taking the world on and doing amazing things in her own right, I find that really inspiring. To be honest, I think I'm naturally really in- inquisitive and can sort of find bits and bobs out of people just in daily life. Yeah, great. And I always find it inspiring seeing just someone passionate about what they do. It doesn't matter what it is and what field exactly. they're in, but it's hearing them speak about it that's quite inspiring. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And finding out more and why and getting to the, the media parts of what they do. I, I love it. I absolutely love finding that sort of stuff out. And thinking about, I guess you're obviously very passionate about what you do now, but mm-hmm. where to next for you? So what do you think the future holds for you in your career? So the 23rd of July this year, <laughs> the Olympic flame, the Olympic flame will be lit in Japan. And as I mentioned, we'll be running these live sites around Australia and that's what will be my role during the games. After that, getting married later in the year that was postponed from last year uh-huh. so but but whatever happens beyond that i kind of think back to that girl in year 3 that you know only got an a in pa i think i'll continue to get stuck into projects and opportunities that will bring inspiration and change to people wherever or whatever that might be yeah i find that that itself really inspiring and probably i guess something you would consider is what you'd want your legacy to be about making change for the better Exactly. I've always been driven um, with a purpose to make a difference and to make a difference to at least one person's life. And that could be my through my work in, as a coach, through a student who's inspired through the Olympics Unleashed program or has a new self-belief um, through Changemaker program. I think that's what fuels me to make a difference in the lives of others. And I guess I would love that to be my legacy. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> awesome. So I have one last question for you. I mean, it's Hit one me. we do like to yes. ask. Um, we find them all really helpful for our listeners. But if you could give top three, your top three tip yeah. to a female administrator, so think back to yourself when you'd finished uni and you're writing your 
your list, um, starting your journey in, in sports administration, what would they be? Definitely work experience. Get out there and get as much experience as you can. You just really never know where each opportunity can lead or, or take you. And I guess for me, it was really key in helping me decide what I might want to do or not do as, and meet new people and network and importantly, build self-confidence. Um, but also as a friend reminded me recently, sport is super transformative at the moment. So the role that we might, you, someone might be looking for may not exist. It may be about creating it or being open to it yourself. So I just think get out there and have a crack because, yeah, you just don't know where these opportunities will take you. Another one, I think having a mentor. Uh, people are prepared to help. And I think there's countless moments in life where we've leaned on someone that we trust for advice or assistance. So, and I think it's really important in navigating a career. I have a mentor myself and she's now actually an amazing friend and she's really helped me learn about myself and is an amazing sounding board and and has provided incredible wisdom and support over the, the past 10 years. And number three, I think believe in yourself and, and dream big. I think if you have a dream and you, you need to believe there is sort of opportunities to get there and people might call you crazy like they kind of did with me, but if you create a path, you can get yourself there. Might it be having to write those 10 points on a napkin, whatever works for you, but motivate yourself to try new things, sort of have the resilience to keep going and learn from your mistakes. I just, you just never know where they could take you. Yeah, awesome. I think they're three um, <laughs> great tips. And yeah, I really appreciate your time for in what is a crazy busy period for you and wish you all the best when the, the flames lit and we're all eyes on Tokyo. Thank you so much for having me and, and and allowing me to sort of share my story and also share the what you guys are doing and raising, shedding some great light on other amazing female administrators in Australia. There are so many. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate it. And I think what you guys are doing is amazing. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Sports Intuition Podcast. If you did, we would greatly appreciate you taking the time to leave us a rating and any reviews. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode.